0: And welcome to the Matthew Clark interview podcast, where we sit down with the industry's key figures. Today we're talking to Gerard Swart, winemaker at Flagstone, one of South Africa's leading wineries. Thank you very much for having me here today, Gerard. It's, it's a bit of a different place compared to, to the places where I've been, but it's, it's still a beautiful location. Got a nice bit of sunshine
1: out today, so that's uh, that's always good news. Yeah, it's um, yeah welcome to, to Flagstone Winery here in in Somerset West. Um, yeah, it's a little bit different um, from your your cellars that you normally get on the R44 on the way to Stenabosch, but um, I think that that's the uniqueness and the quirkiness on, on Flagstone. Mm-hmm. Um, We've been situated in a in an old dynamite factory. Been built in uh, 1901 by Sir Cecil John Rhodes, and um, yeah, it's 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 something you don't think you'll find in an old industrial park. Uh, this premium winery. Mm.
0: It is a great place to to be. It's a beautiful building, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of work going around here, but I think the end result will mm. be absolutely That's, stunning.
1: It's a it's a it's a quite a modern winery inside the old building. So, um, yeah, like I've shown you, there's, there's some, some unique um, uh, machines in, in, the, in the winery that we utilize to make the wines. Um, but yeah, it's, it's if you, from the outside you will never think there's a winery with no. a lot of barrels and a lot of tanks in here. A
0: bit of a mystery inside, yes. but a, a great, uh, great surprise. So um, just about yourself um, a little bit, I believe you have quite a bit of a history in, in winemaking um, from an early age already, how did you, like? when did you really know um, why you wanted to, to work in wine? How did you find out?
1: Yeah, I would say it's in, in our family there is not a lot of, lot of winemaking history but, um, but a lot of uh, farming. Uh, both my parents grew up in, in a region called the Oeverberg. Um, Translated, that's over the mountain. It's a region in the in the southern Cape um, where a lot of sheep and, and dairy and um, grain farming is happening. So um, our holidays um, was mostly spent on on the farms, and from an early age I knew I wanted to be in agriculture. I didn't want to sit in a in a concrete building. I wanted to be out in the sun and in between the uh, the plants and. Um, and yeah, when, when I was small, there was, um, there was a book in my parents' house that I remember in wintertime lying on the couch, uh, paging through it. And it's a book that my father gave my mother in 1970 as a Christmas present. And um, it's all about the wine route in South Africa. And I can still remember there's one specific picture where, where it's two big open doors where you basically f- look through the doors and you see these stainless steel tanks in the back with some some uh, barrels in between, and um, yeah, it was just I was just intrigued by it, and um, and then when I studied at Elsenburg um, agriculture, my father was a bank manager in uh, a small uh, uh, rural town, and I worked on farms when um, on holiday time, and it was one of his clients that uh, is a, is a known winery and I worked for one holiday in the winery and that was the end, when, yes. I, went, yeah, when <laughs> I went back I said I don't just want to finish studying agriculture, I need to go on and uh, study winemaking.
0: That is a great story, so do you think, because you, know, you really grew up in farm life, um, so you might have already had a bit of a, an affinity with viticulture, was that the same for winemaking or did you really have to work hard to, to get to this point?
1: I would say the, the the farm life that I had knowledge of um, is more in, in in sheep and in in uh, grain. So um, so yeah, I had to work hard to get where I am at the moment. Um, but I would say with with my um, I've got a natural just feeling for plants. I always uh, make the joke about my father. He's he's now retired and living in in Bradastor. It's the one small little town there uh, close to the farm where he grew up, and he's got. Almost a quarter of his garden is uh, is vegetable garden. So uh, we always uh, say we've got green fingers in our family. So we love working with plants. Um, and um, but yeah, I think it's it's hard work. I've been in the industry now for eighteen years, and it's with that experience that you that you um, yeah just get stronger and stronger in the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Play hard, boy, um, Sorry, work hard, play hard. Yeah, because, that's that's my mo- that's my motto. So the end result is always a bottle of wine, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I'm aware you've also travelled a bit, um, studying about wine, learning about you know different different areas in the world. So you've been to to France as well as California um, to work there in in the wine industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience?
1: Yes. I um, when I was still very young, I. Um, I went to France in 2001, uh, in the south of France, did a vintage there. And then in 2004, I went to California uh, in Napa to go and work at um, a very interesting seller. Um, it is owned by an Italian guy and he actually owns two cellars. Two the one is Visa Tui um, and the other one is Castello de Amoroso. And he was actually busy still building the Castello da Amaroso, so we were we were crushing at Visatui, the and then we were um, travelling to Castello de Amaroso where we were working with barrels. That was caves in the in the in the um, hillside. We were taking the barrels out and taking them down to the new barrel room. But then in the bottom of the battle room, um, or b- below the old building, it was actually like an old um, dungeon, and it had like a, a tortured chambers and stuff in the place. So it was a very interesting experience working for this Italian.
0: That is crazy, isn't it? So uh, do you think you really took those experiences and implemented them here, or more took those experiences and, and, and used them here to... To make it
1: even better, I must say there is some of the techniques that I've that I've seen and um, learned from the from the um, French that I've seen that I've implemented, and then also the Americans. But then also being part of this big global um, business, accolade wines, we've got annually we've got a, a, a senior winemaking conference in Australia, and um, I think that's the that's the positive thing of working for such a big company and being able to travel a lot to these different regions um, and just to interact with the other winemakers mm-hmm. so uh, every year you learn something new and um, yeah we, we can just learn from each other and I think that makes the accolade brand uh, the business just much stronger having all these uh, different countries where the winemakers can experience or can um, uh, communicate with each other and um, yeah
0: mm. So, looking at the, the Flagstone range itself, um, we have ten wines from, from Flagstone in our range, um, and it's nice to see, if you look at them all next to each other, they all have, the, they're, they're aligned, but they all have their own personality and theme, I would almost say. So for example, you've got the, the Music Room, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Writers Block, Pinotage, but they all have a story behind it. but. Why, why did you choose to put a story behind mm. every single wine?
1: I think if you look at the history of Flagstone with uh, Bruce Jack that started it in 1998 in the v waterfront, he came to South Africa after studying in Australia and he said, well, I want to start a winery. I don't have the money to go and buy these fancy wineries up on the mountain, um, big estate with all the vineyards. And also studying in Australia, seeing what they do there. He came back and he said, Well, I want to do something different. Um, I want to be a little bit quirky, just different from the mainstream. So he came back with that knowledge of what's happening in the Australian industry and said, Well, let's implement it here in South Africa. Let's go out and let's go and search for unique vineyards, for pockets in South Africa where there's really something unique and let's make more wine from that. And I think that's basically the philosophy of of Flagstone. That's where you'll see some of our wines with wine of origin Western Cape, but it's some of our premium wines. It's because we we, we utilize those different pockets of vignettes, those unique vignettes, those unique terroirs. Make single wines that's quite unique and then combine them to, to make something that's even more unique.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's basically not just using one instrument, but getting them all band together.
1: Yeah, that's we playing the full orchestra. Full orchestra, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough.
0: So, four of the wines that, that we have are, um, are the range of, of white wines. Can you just run through these, these wines and, and tell us a little bit about those?
1: Uh, so, I think on, on the premium side we've got the the round Sauvignon Blanc that I think a lot of people will be will be uh, quite well known with. Um, that's a cool climate style of Sauvignon Blanc. It's actually uh, one of the areas where, where Bruce and uh, another, um, it was previously a partner of Bruce, started when it's down in Elim. Um So it's specifically cool climate. It's got that minerality, uh, almost a flintiness the wine but it's also got that nice tropical fruit flavours, it's wine of origin Cape South Coast so it's basically a region that stretched from Elgin through to, to Plettenberg Bay. So it's a nice cool climate style of, of Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about the, the other wines that you've got? So you've got the Worth of Mouth, Viognier, Noongan, Tributary. Yeah, so on,
1: on the premium wines also, the Tributary Chenin Blanc, um, that's a wine made from old bush wines so, uh, the one vignette uh, w- was planted in 1976 and the other vignette was planted in 1982. So, the whole idea of that is to, to really uh, make a wine that gives a tribute to these old um, f- uh, vignettes that we've got in South Africa, old bush wines. And um, it's a nice complex Chenin Blanc. Uh, we make 25% of that fermented in barrel and the rest is in stainless steel. And then the word of Mel Bionier, um Vionaire is quite an interesting uh, varietal and you get different styles of Vionaire. You get uh, more the perfumy style and then you get more the dried fruit style and where people will sometimes put a lot of oak on on, on the on That uh, It's almost like your old Australian type of Chardonnay. For me, what I want out of Vionaire is I want that uh, feminine style. I want that perfuminess, uh, that elegance and uh, again a combination of two specific terroirs giving me more that cooler climate style but still getting that nice perfumy aromas that you get from Viognier and then the last one the Noon so that's our lifestyle uh, wine that would be a a wine that um, a lot of people will enjoy wine by the glass so it will be a house wine that's a blend of Chenin Blanc Sauvignon Blanc and Viognier 45% 45% Chenin, 35 Sauvignon, and 20% Viognier. The Chenin gives that nice tropical fruit flavour. The Sauvignon Blanc gives the freshness, and the Viognier just adds depth to the wine, give, gives it a nice structure, and gives that little bit of perfuminess to that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what's the story behind Gun? Because the bottle itself has got this, this quite a bit cannon on, on the label. What does that refer to?
1: So the Noon Gun is, uh, a lot of these wines were referred back to some of the history in, in Cape Town because Bruce started the, the winery in 1998 at the V&A waterfront. Um, so the Noon Gun is actually situated in Cape Town on Signal Hill and that would fire at 12 in the afternoon and that was a way for the ship captains in the old days to determine time to make sure the chromatograph that they had on the, the ship was accurate so they could set the chromatographs to 12 o'clock. So it's very interesting in Cape Town if you're walking around in the streets and at the coffee shops, if you want to know who's the tourist in town, you just wait till 12 o'clock and see who jumps underneath the table and then you'll know who's the tourist.
0: Fair enough, what well, time for lunch then, isn't it? Yeah, 12 yeah. o'clock. <laughs> okay, so this um, this uh, noon gun blend has got a bit broader in, in the red or,
1: or you know, a, uh, a partner in, in red wine, the Longitude. Yes. Can you us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Longitude is a Shiraz Cabernet Sauvignon Malbec blend, um, basically the same percentages 45, 35 and 20% Malbec. Shiraz will give you that nice red berry fruit and also the spiciness where the Cabernet Sauvignon gives more the darker fruit and a, and a, and a good structure to the wine. And Molbeck is just the one that just polish it off with nice red berry cherry flavours um, and just giving a nice soft tannin to the wine.
0: What about the story behind this wine then? So
1: the, the longitude, it links in with the Noon Gun actually. Mm-hmm. So if you look on the longitude label, you'd see the old um, ball tower, um, that the clock tower that's been in the, or that is in the waterfront and that big ball would drop also at 12. So the problem was that the the ship captains couldn't sometimes see the the, the gun um, the noon gun and the thing is they didn't set it on the sound because the sound travels slower than time so they would look at the with um, at the plume of smoke that they'll see when the gun fire at 12. the problem is that if you in Cape Town and you see the south easter blowing you'll see there's a, cl- a cloud uh, blanket on the mountain so um, so what they done is then add the, the, the ball tower, and at 12 it will drop, so that's in the harbour area, so they could easily see it, and they could then set their chromatographs to the correct time, and they use the chromatograph to um, determine longitude on the ocean. So that's where that comes from.
0: They're the nice partners in crime uh, in that Yes, this there seat. we go. Right, so we've got four more um, reds as well in the range. Uh, Dragon Tree, uh, Writers Blog, Music Room and uh, Dark Horse. Can you yes. a little bit
1: about like those ones as well? Okay, so dra- Dragon Tree, the, where the Longitude is in the Lifestyle range, the Dragon Tree will be in our Premium range and that is what we call a Cape blend. So in South Africa, um, like you've got a Bordeaux blend in France um, or a Rhone blend. In South Africa, we've got a Cape blend where you need to have at least 30% 30%, um, Pinotage and a maximum of 70% Pinotage in the wine. Uh, We utilize uh, Cabernet Sauvignon Shiraz with Pinotage in the blend. We feel the three varietals uh, really work uh, well together. And um, and that that wine specifically um, as one um, the 2014 vintage as one uh, one of the top five cabernets in the country. So we're quite proud of 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 our heritage of pinotage. And you'll see also in the Flagstone range that we we've got quite a few pinotage wines. You've got two of the, the wines on, on on Matthew Clark.
0: <coughs> Sorry. Um, so, so what about the Writers' block, then, because that's that's one of the that's the pinotage that we have in our range,
1: yes. So, so writers' block is our, our premium or super premium pinotage. Um, writers' block is an interesting vignette, it's situated in the Bredercluith, high up on the mountain, it's it's around 650 to 720 meters above sea level, and um. It is just really a great vineyard, um, so high up on the mountain, having very cool um, evenings, um, and then quite moderate daytime temp- temperatures. We are harvested quite late combined uh, compared to, to some of the other Pinotage vineyards in, in South Africa. We only start harvesting um, that vineyard end of February, where most of the other producers are finished with their Pinotage. And, um, yeah, it's just a great vignette. And the only problem situated so high up in the mountain is we've got competition with our four-legged friends, the baboons. So they also love the pinotage, and um, and they will help us harvest it. Um, the only problem is we don't get the fruit. So, um, but, yeah, it is it is a really a great vignette, and it's a great pinotage. That wine has been in the ten vintages um, that I've made now. Five of them has been in the... Um, in the APSA top 10 competition in South Africa for the best 10 pinotages in the country it's been voted as in the top 10 oh, that
0: is absolutely amazing isn't yeah, it so
1: we're, very we're proud we're very proud of, of, of that specific wine and yeah. then um, yeah and then the next is the Cabernet Sauvignon the music room now the music room is uh, it's a very interesting blend it's again these unique terroirs that I work with that um, that uh, we searched out and it is a, a combination of two warmer climates, but then there's one that's the, the oddball is, um, is Elgin, where people are quite known for that region with uh, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. We've got uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, but we, we only harvest it in the first to the second week of April, so it's quite, quite late in the season. But the great thing of that is we get a, what we call a long hang time for the fruit, so the fruit can ripen perfectly. Um, without the sugars going too high, so we've got a nice elegant style of wine. Now, combining the two warmer climates, the one giving a lot of structure, the other one more primary fruit, that one gives the elegance to the wine, and depending on the vintage, we'll use a little bit more or less of, of that cool climate fruit. Mm-hmm. But it really just just takes the wine to the next level. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, and then the Dark Horse Chirazes?
1: Uh, the Dark Horse Shiraz, um, that again is a combination also of three different uh, terroirs. Um, but uh, that is also a wine that um, that's quite interesting. The name of Dark Horse. So when you look at at Shiraz vineyards. If you look at a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Merlot, you'll see the shoots are quite up in the in the in your um, trellising system. It's just a neat and tidy vineyard. If you look at Shiraz the canes are very flexible so you've just got a little breeze going through the vineyard and all your work is undone all the canes are lying over each other and um, it just look messy and scrappy and then if you look at the bunches you see these big bunches and quite big berries compared to Cabernet Sauvignon the color doesn't look that that dark and um, then you think oh how can I make really a top-class wine out of it then you bring it into the cellar start making, start doing those punch downs on the, on the fermentation and suddenly this colour comes out and this sweet red cherry berry aromas and the spiciness and uh, that's why we call it the Dark Horse.
0: It's quite an uh, untamed variety in that, yes, in that case. Yes, it,
1: it can be quite a beast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, now just to, to, to talk about the, the final wine that we have in our range. It's a rather special wine. Um, this is the Flaxstone, Thai Manor Place, Pinotage Reserve. What makes this wine so incredibly special?
1: Yeah, see, that, that's now, see that's where I said the, the, the broad range of Pinotage that we make. And the time Manor Place is, if you take from the writer's block, um, the block runs from a south-east slope over to a north-west slope. And, um, and it comes down from the top part of the block down the mountain basically it, it drops in altitude of around 70-80 uh, meters and um, that would be normally on the northwestern side that's the little bit warmer warmer side of the vineyard and the top part so that's that's where really the the, the vineyard it struggles it's very a um, uh, lot of stones very stony soil and um, it's just you get a, a incredible concentration on those on those uh, wines from that fruit and um, what we've done in 2010 we started with this wine and we were tasting through for the writer's block out of all our barrels from that vineyard we were tasting and saying what's good enough to go really into writer's block and we would just be tasting some of the barrels and saying, well th- this is almost too good to go in the writer's block we need to do something with it and um, so time and a place is a selection of only five barrels it's all new barrels Um, only a selection of five from the writers block that we will make in only the best vintages Um, so it's basically to put a stamp down to say well we're proud of Pinotage and we're willing to to really put the top top wine separately in a bottle and charge a premium for that and put it in a beautifully um, packaging um, and and yeah, like you've got people putting Cabernet Sauvignon or Bordeaux blends and saying, "Well, this is my t- top premium, my icon wine." We felt being proudly South African that um, yeah, Pinotage is our icon wine.
0: Yeah, well, it is something to be proud of, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we've done well. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, just pass on from from the wines. Um, there's you've. you've absolutely making amazing wines and, and they're really showing the quality as well as the packaging. It's, it's basically a whole package, mm. all together I would say. So what for you would be like, your goals for the, for the coming few years? What would you like to achieve now in, in the coming few years?
1: What I would like to achieve is to win the vintners Classic.
0: <laughs> What's the vintners Classic?
1: It's our local surf competition for <laughs> all the surfing winemakers. <laughs> Everybody will say they want to achieve, they want to win the Canter Winemaker of the Year, International Winemaker of the Year. Yeah, that's that's ultimately a goal. But um, in my part-time surfing is one of my uh, hobbies, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a bigger goal for me personally to achieve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> An achievable
1: one? A difficult one. The competition is quite stiff. There's some uh, very pro surfers in between all the winemaking, but it's becoming a, quite a big one. We I think we are out now 70, 70 winemakers participating in this surfing competition every year, and it just grows. It's, it's, a, it's a great competition, and it's a great um, sport, and we've got actually a charity that we're working with now. So every year when we enter the competition, we, we need to give um, a, a, a six-bottle case of wine that mm-hmm. we take from the barrels. Um, that is uh, blended together. So then you get a you get a wine that we call the big red. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've done now between a few of the sellers, we actually now donating a barrel full of wine that we um, bottling and then selling on the auction, and it goes back to um, to a special charity that mm-hmm. works with uh, underprivileged kids to teach them surfing, because just Not just being a a nice sport, it's a it's a skill and it it learns you a lot about life also with surfing. So um yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's a great a great sport to be part of.
0: Yeah, well that sounds amazing. And if I am right, the the sea is not too far from here,
1: is it? Yeah, it's it's always a good excuse on a Saturday afternoon when we're busy crushing and we finish the work and uh, I can just quickly head off 350 meters to my local surf spot and <laughs> just what we, we call it, we quickly go and dust or, or rinse off the dust rinse and then off yep, then we're ready for the next day's work.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So um, just one last question to, uh, to finish. Now I know it is a difficult question to answer but I've got to ask what would be your absolute favourite wine from the wines you produce and how would you say is it best enjoyed?
1: I must answer that one putting my South African hat on so that would be my writer's block Pinotage Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say being a typical South African we like our barbecue a braai, what we call so, um, but peanut ash is something that goes very well with venison. So, having a nice piece of venison with the, put on the coals, uh, having a braai and enjoying a glass of writer's block,
0: yeah. So, definitely not a barbecue, it's got to be a braai. It's a braai, it's we call a braai, it a braai. yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, I think that's uh, that's a wrap for us. So, thank you so much for, for having me here today. It's been an absolute uh, thank you, Jacqueline. It's been amazing. nice. Thanks. To find out more about Flagstone Wines, visit the Matthew Clark website or speak to your account manager. And join us next time when we will be chatting to James Downs, viticulturalist at Shannon Wines.